Hey there, are you ready to elevate your personal brand or company? Meet Viral Growth, your one-stop shop for video content and audience building. Imagine growing your brand organically on social media without the hassle of editing videos for hours. With Viral Growth, it's a breeze. They handle the brainstorming, scripting, and editing while you simply just hit record. And don't worry about your niche. They cater to everyone, from business and marketing to health and wellness. Are you ready to make waves in the social media realm? Visit viralgrowth.io and use code ADWEEK, that's A-D-W-E-E-K, all lowercase, and get 10% off your plan. Profitero and Micmac join forces to present a Brave Commerce virtual event. Join Rachel and Sarah along with Fortune 100 brands and retail leaders as they cut through the BS to discuss what Omnichannel really looks like. Commerce Live, Omnichannel Debunked. October 13th and 14th, 9.30 to 1.30 Eastern. Register now at GoCommerceLive.com. That's what I love about being a global CMO is working with all the different regions and bringing the brand to life differently in each market. It's probably the hardest part of my job, but it's my most favorite for sure. I think for me, setting the teams, the regional teams giving them the right direction, ensuring they're clear on the brand direction and the initiatives and the marketing approach, and then truly empowering them to own their region. I am not gonna know what is best for the team in China, but I am gonna know the best from a directional standpoint in which we're going. So I truly try to empower the teams to do that. Welcome to today's episode of Brave Commerce. I'm Rachel Tippograph, the founder and CEO of Micmac. I'm Sarah Hofstetter, president of Profitero. And this is a show that talks about what's relevant in e-commerce for the world's biggest brands. Sarah, what's the last pair of shoes you bought? Does that mean that you're implying that I bought one pair of shoes recently because I, I, I have a problem. I, I do have a bit of an addiction. Your shopping cart to me is just full of Corona beer, Twizzlers, and now shoes. And, and, and Reese's peanut butter cups. And Reese's, yeah. <laughs> so yes, I am an, a very unhealthy human being, I think is what people are starting to uh, surmise about me. I feel like I'm way too vulnerable on this podcast. That's all I can say. But that's your superpower. I guess it is. Shoe buying is like one of these post-vaccine indulgences, you know, at first it was like going to the restaurant and then it was like, oh, wait, I can wear shoes. I can go outside again. This is kind of exciting. And I think one of the things that was like bothering me was, oh, I don't want to be uncomfortable anymore. So I've been trying to straddle the, I don't want to look like crap, but I really don't want to put on heels. Mm, so you go for a wedge. I go for comfort, man. Yeah. I bought a pair of shoes recently because I went to a wedding last weekend and thanks. Um, and it just made me realize that we're all back buying fashion again. Yeah. There are all these conversations about the death of the mall, the death of brick and mortar. And, you know, we intentionally called this podcast brave commerce, not brave e-commerce because we want to be thinking about it all the way through, but there's the research online by offline. There's a research offline by online the interrelationship between the two becomes that much more important when you're buying things that you really need to experience to a certain degree live. Yeah. It's funny. You know, we've spent so much time talking to leaders in different product categories. 
obviously a lion's share of them being in grocery and alcohol, just given what we do all day long. Eat and drink? Eat and drink. Oh, 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 our day job. Sorry, my bad. Yeah. It's wild to think, like I'm going back to my gap days, working in fashion right now, how crazy the world is and how closely connected that is to the merchandise that people want to buy. And Tara gets into it on the show. Yeah. First of all, she is such an extraordinary woman. But in addition to that, the level of agility that had to happen, not just as the pandemic took off, you know, in spring of last year, but the roller coaster of all the vaccinations and then people going out and then people talking about back to school and all these back to school campaigns and then the Delta variant and then there's, is there back to school? Is there back to work? If you're selling shoes, do you have any idea what ends up and how on earth do you pivot when generally nobody in the world knows anything about what's up? All I can say is you better have a lot of first party data at your disposal with a team that can move faster than consumer and a supply chain that is ready to go. Well, Clark's is very lucky to have Tara McRae as the CMO there because she seems to have it all. She's got an agile team. She has her finger on the pulse of supply chain and she has a calm demeanor with a very, very strong leadership style that is both approachable and yet confident. On that note, let's introduce the world to Tara. And just as a personal fan, not just of you, but of your brands, I say thank you for sustaining me during the pandemic. And thank you for the opportunity to never wear heels and still feel like I, I, I actually don't look like crap. So thank you very much. We're so happy you're here. Oh, you're welcome. Thank you so much for having me. As we think about getting back outside again, and you know, the, the summer is allowed for some of that, and there's a little bit of cautiousness, but there's definitely been a little bit of uptick in spending. Help us understand some trends related to back to work, back to school, and how that impacts the way you think about your go-to-market, because it must be a professional and an emotional roller coaster. As you start seeing like, you know, what's going on with Delta? What do we do? How do we pivot? Just to say it's been an interesting year or rather two years. We've learned to be the most agile marketing group that we can be for sure. I think as we head back to school, the trend, as you're well aware, in 2020, if you weren't in the leisure business, loungewear, slippers, sneakers, or running, because running was uptick too, I mean, you had a really tough year. But as we started to see this past spring, as the weather started to turn, people were getting outside, people were actually taking a little more vacations, we saw the, the shift. Our sandals business was on fire during the summer, so we had a really, really Really good summer with that. You're welcome. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> oh, awesome. Thank you. Thank you, Sarah. You're one of the many. People were, they really wanted to get up and, and get out there and get dressed. And there were weddings and occasions and everything. Then we started to see the trend actually. Our athleisure styles, they were doing well, but they started even continuing there as well. Our dress and our dress casual started to pick up where there was a lot of people saying dress is dead, it's not coming back. We actually did see a lot of our dress and dress casual pick back up as people started to go back into the hybrid model, getting back into the office. And we've seen that trend continue a little bit into the fall. Of course, we are watching what's happening with the Delta variant and what's happening with back to school and offices. But we were definitely quite surprised and quite happily surprised at the trends that we saw over the summer. Do you think people are getting more dressed up at home 
even if they're not going out now? Yeah. I mean, I, I know I am. And the first part of it, I lived in, you know, hoodies and leggings. And then I think we, a lot of us got sick of that. In the beginning too, I mean, you remember it was complete lockdown. There was absolutely no need to purchase shoes and apparel from that standpoint. I think everybody's adapted to living in this new normal, in this hybrid approach. And I think all of us are starting to want to get back to normal and put shoes on and put clothes on and go out. So we've definitely seen that trend. We've had a very, very strong spring into summer and all signs are are pointing in the right direction for fall holiday as well. Speaking of pointing in the right direction... I'm curious if they're pointing in-store versus online sales. You know, buying shoes historically was a very tactile experience. And then someone like Zappos enters the market and really changes that buying journey. So how do you guys think about online versus offline sales and and the potential growth of one of those channels in a post-COVID world? A great question. I think it was obviously a pivotal question before COVID, but COVID just accelerated so many trends within our space. A lot of what we saw within what the pandemic did online was really accelerate trends that were already there. And they accelerated them much faster. But as far as we look at brick and mortar versus e-commerce, the majority of shoes are still purchased in the States in store. That's the reality. But the growth rate of e-commerce over obviously the past handful of years and accelerated by the pandemic, obviously is something that we pay attention to greatly and is a major, if not the focus for us, for sure. But I still think brick and mortar, and we still think here at Clark's brick and mortar is still very important in the consumer journey. It's all about the evolution of that experience. I mean, you see it in grocery shopping, you see it in shoe shopping, you see it in every aspect of the way that you shop. It's just evolved into something that does take attributes from the online experience and takes really um, something experiential and moves it forward. I'm a shoe junkie in general, but like I'm constantly looking at trends. I'm in malls, I'm in stores, I'm watching consumers all the time when I have free time to go do that. You just see there are stores that are still extremely successful. They were the ones that had you know a line out the door during COVID when we had to keep reduced capacity. So they are doing something right and exciting the consumer for sure. So we still think it's very important. Yes, we have closed a handful of stores over the past handful of years that were not profitable and didn't fit our portfolio. But we're now in the position where we're opening up new stores, which is really, really exciting, um, but looking at it in a new and different way. I just wanted to, to dive in your view on own stores versus department stores, specialty, and how you're segmenting that market now. Yeah, and I think they all play a role. Here, specifically in the States, all of our regions are actually quite different in the way that we look at our distribution as far as the size of the portfolio. We look at one holistic distribution, but like here in the States, wholesale is a big part of the business. Our wholesale partners, both in the pure play online and in brick and mortar, are a big pivotal part of the business. And we do have a sizable portfolio of our own stores and e-commerce. So we definitely have a, a segmentation approach to our product and how we bring that to life within our partners. But they are all, you know, very much so important part of the mix. But some of our, what's been really exciting to see is I just talked about our journey from an e-commerce and brick and mortar standpoint, but our wholesalers, we're on that journey with them as well. Some of our wholesale partners are amazing at their digital experience and brick and mortar experience. Some of them are great in-store and not so great online and vice versa. So we're on that journey with them together. So it's really exciting to be able to, to partner up with all of these accounts and be on that journey with them. How much of this research online by offline or the flip are you seeing? Like, is it more people researching online, buying offline, researching offline, buying online? Are they 
researching in the store and then completing online possibly while still in the store? Where are you seeing those trends? We see a big, big trend of doing pre-pandemic, it was research online and then purchasing in store. And we had a lot of data to back that up. The majority of our shopping journeys were starting online and then being completed in store. Since the pandemic, we've seen a lot of our database are just have become the solo shoppers online. We still do have a fair amount that are doing that. But we've seen that trend continue, which is why being consumer-centric is so important because it's not a linear process. It used to be years ago. It is not. It is highly complex. And in our business, we're not a, a vertical retailer where we just own that consumer in our own space. I'm totally comfortable if they're inspired by something on our e-commerce site or in our store and then go purchase from somebody else. Yes, that's hard to track from a data standpoint. We do have some insight into that. All of these channels play together. So it's extremely important that we have an aligned distribution strategy as we're going to market. And from a marketing standpoint, all of the messaging and when you get into the promotional side too, is all very much aligned. You're speaking Sarah in my language. (laughs) I'm sure. We can help you with that attribution challenge. Oh, I know you can. I know you can. You talked a lot about the consumer there's another dimension to commerce that you know we're constantly hearing about from folks in the show and we're reading in the trades, which is supply chain. Yes. Especially in countries like Vietnam that are going through lockdown again. How do you manage right now consumer demand and supply chain? What does that look like internally at Clark's? Yeah. I mean, uh, welcome to every day right now. <laughs> we aren't alone. I mean, the, the entire industry is in the same boat. So we're, we're all trying to work through this together. For us, it's a struggle. Absolutely. Because we have in some of our larger businesses delays and we have major, major marketing programs that are launching with those. So being really agile and trying to pivot quite quickly. Even within our Clark's Originals, we have collaboration partners that we're collaborating with that they, there may be other pieces, there might be apparel pieces or whatnot that are aligned with those and delaying those drops. So it's been a bit of a struggle. I will say there's been some areas that we've benefited from that because there are other brands or some retailers that are completely out of stock. So consumers have come over to Clark's and that's great for us to be able to pull them in. So we've benefited in some scenarios for sure, because we have such a very, very strong and effective supply chain inventory management. We've gotten really, really good at that over time. So we've benefited in some scenarios, but as a marketer, this fall has been painful for sure, because we have a lot of delays that are happening in the marketplace. But luckily from a business standpoint, you know, we've been protected. What's your perspective on when inventory is not available, do you cut spend or do you keep investing in brand? Yeah, I mean, that's a, that's a debate that we have. Even if pre-launching and pre-selling, you know, because some thinking is if it's not in inventory, pull the marketing back. Mm-hmm. Like I've been told, hey, we're running low on that. Can you switch the marketing? And it's like, well, clearly it's working and it's capturing the attention, you know, on the back end, can we cross-sell or whatnot? So it all depends. You know, it all depends on what level that marketing is and what the intent and the KPIs of that marketing is. If it's, you know, distinctly on that style and it's completely out, then it doesn't make any sense to continue to spend against that. You know, but if it's representing a whole category and it happens to be featured, we continue to drive that category and then you'll cross sell them with something that we have in inventory for sure. So Tara, you're a global CMO. You've got offices all over the world. You're leading teams of all shapes and sizes, different personalities, different cultural nuances, different needs. How do you balance the changes in culture, personalities, geographies? How do you just keep track of it all? And how do you not go crazy from it? 
Yeah, I mean, that is uh, definitely the most challenging part of my job, but by far my favorite part. I love the global complexities. I love the diversity, all the different cultures and the businesses from all around the world. That's what keeps it exciting, is taking this 200-year-old brand and bringing it to life all over the world in different cultures. I have a very, very diverse team all over the world in different markets, obviously over in Asia and over in Europe and here in the States and Canada and Latin America. And they all bring something different to the table, a different perspective. And all of those different experiences and the way we bring the brand to life is what makes the Global Clarks brand, which is really exciting. Yes, there's challenges with the team. There's time zone challenges and we can't travel. So I'm not on the ground with the teams, which is one of my favorite things to do. But I think that diversity and the complexities of all the different markets is what makes it so exciting. It seems like your team has become way more agile how has that impacted, you know, a channel like social media over the last year? Before the pandemic and, you know, in recent years, we still took a very traditional approach to marketing as a brand, where social was always part of the marketing mix. Digital was part of the marketing mix, clearly. Where we've pivoted, you know, over the past, I'd say three to six months this year is really pivoted to it being not just part of the marketing mix, but it is the marketing mix. So it is at the epicenter, the social and digital aspect of it. So everything rather than big seasonal set it and forget it campaigns, we are really focused on driving, telling rich stories. So storytelling through real time content. So that's a lot harder for the team rather than shooting a big campaign and rolling it out. We're super agile and looking at the data in real time and what consumers are responding to. We're constantly filming and shooting content to really target the consumer. So that's been, I think it's really exciting. You talk to my team and you know they could have a different perspective on the amount of hours they're putting in, but it's been really exciting. And the good news is the numbers are flashing in the right direction. The consumer is engaging with this content and it's really truly driving the business as well. So it's gone from part of the mix to being the mix for sure. You're reminding me of my Gap days. And when I started at Gap, we were planning the fall 2011 campaign. And my boss, who is the global CMO, hands me a flash drive. He knows the story, Seth, if you're listening, and goes, here's the fall campaign. And there were six images on it. And I said, this can't be the campaign. And he goes, what do you mean? For six months. (laughs) Yeah, no. And I said, Seth, to run one direct response ad campaign on Facebook, I need 36 assets. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. And now that was, what did you say, 2011? That was 2011. Right. And where we are today is it's like we could make content daily and it still wouldn't be enough to eat up all the channels. So we've been really innovating in the space too, which has been exciting. Like we've been tackling and going into areas that we know our consumer is in, in gaming and, you know, innovative social channels. So it's been really exciting, you know, really testing and learning and being really agile. Like I tell the team, expect the unexpected right now with where we are today. But yeah, I mean, the consumer, it's really been resonating with the consumer, which has been exciting. Well, we have our our famous question. Yeah. Which is, what's the bravest thing that you've ever done? For me, it's as simple as the bravest thing I think I've ever done is just be me. For many years, I had my personal and then my business. And when I came to work, I was all business because I was often different than everybody else. Oftentimes I was the only woman at the table. I was definitely the only gay woman at the table. So I kind of kept those things separate. I think the bravest thing I did was just bring my whole self to work and just being me. And what I've realized is representation truly, truly matters. 
So for me, that was the bravest thing I've ever done. And I bring my whole self to work and I feel good about it every single day. And I feel like I'm doing better work because of that. Sarah and I share a similar spirit, though, probably with far less shoes. Speak <laughs> for yourself, woman. I don't know. Sarah, Sarah seems to buy a lot of shoes over Sarah, there. Sarah just loves to shop. <laughs> I do. But people have just seen the alcoholic side of me. They haven't seen my shoe collection. And, and not just shoes, comfortable shoes. See, there you go. Fashionable, comfortable, trend relevant shoes. There you go. Thank you. Thank you, Tara. We're very thankful that you joined us. And uh, we do feel like we're kindred spirits here among the three of us. So thank you. Awesome. Thank you for having me. Thanks for listening. Please leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. Follow us on Spotify and Google Podcasts. And don't forget to share this link with a friend. Hey there, are you ready to elevate your personal brand or company? Meet Viral Growth, your one-stop shop for video content and audience building. Imagine growing your brand organically on social media without the hassle of editing videos for hours. With Viral Growth, it's a breeze. They handle the brainstorming, scripting, and editing while you simply just hit record. And don't worry about your niche. They cater to everyone, from business and marketing to health and wellness. Are you ready to make waves in the social media realm? Visit viralgrowth.io and use code ADWEEK, that's A-D-W-E-E-K, all lowercase, and get 10% off your plan. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Jackie Cooper, Global Chief Brand Officer at Edelman and the host of Touch of True, a new podcast launching on the Adweek Podcast Network. My dad gave me this incredibly smart piece of advice. Meet everyone once. As a result, I've met some of the most fascinating and inspiring people on the planet. Now on Touch of Truth, we're coming center stage and sharing the mic to experience stories of truth, insights, and visions for the future that will challenge your way of thinking. Touch of Truth is available wherever you listen to podcasts. New episodes come out every Tuesday. I do hope to see you there.